as speech pathologists, we, we do really get it. We understand the importance of communication and, and social connections. And it's important to learn that how one way of treating or, or working with a, a client isn't necessarily going to be what works for another client in a different state or from a different tribe. If we've got assessment findings that are robust, then we don't have to make any presumptions. And I strongly believe in the value and worth of what we do and the difference we make. Hello, and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature a conversation about an area or topic related to all things speech pathology. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hi there, I'm Annika Flynn. Welcome to this week's Speak Up Conversation and happy Speech Pathology Week. I always keep an interested eye out for the theme of Speech Pathology Week each year. I really love this year's theme. Communication is everyone's right. It's so central to why we do the work that we do. When I was thinking about who to invite to chat to for this week's episode, there really was only one person that came to mind, Professor Sharon McLeod from Charles Sturt University. You might know Sharon for her extensive work in the area of speech acquisition for monolingual and multilingual children, but this is not what we're chatting about today. Sharon has championed the rights of people with a communication impairment all around the world, including the United Nations, and is an unrelenting advocate for the speech pathology profession. I feel very privileged to be chatting with her today. Thank you so very much for joining me during Speech Pathology Week, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me and happy Speech Pathology Australia Week to everyone who's listening. There is so much to explore, but I would love to start by asking you what communication is everyone's right means to you, Sharon. Um, it's so important as speech pathologists. We are great talkers. We so have so much skill at communicating that we often forget how difficult it is for the people around us that we work with each day to communicate and also for the people who never get to um, access our services who have difficulty communicating even to be able to access services to support their communication. As speech pathologists, we often think about the person in front of us and really support that person, but sometimes we forget about the advocacy that needs to happen across the whole of society to encourage people to speak up for communication rights. And so I think that's what we're talking about today because communication is everyone's right, is Speech Pathology Australia's um, theme for our special week. And it's very important to you, I know, and so important that you were able to bring this topic to the United Nations in 2019. I'm so fascinated to know what that was like for you. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story so that you can see how we got there. In 2016, I was applying for a, a research grant and looking around, I was really keen to do advocacy work about communication rights. And when I was looking um, for developing this grant application, I noticed that 2018 was the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the 70th anniversary um, after World War II when the world came together to come up with human rights that were for the whole world. 
And Article 19 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says everyone has the right to freedom of opinion and expression. This right includes freedom to hold opinions without interference and to seek, receive and impart information and ideas through any media and regardless of frontiers. When I read that, I went, right, this grant needs to be all about communication rights and, and linking in with this special time for the United Nations. Well, I didn't get the grant, but I was so committed that I contacted Speech Pathology Australia and I said, look, can we do something together. And so they agreed to me being a guest editor of the International Journal of Speech-Language Pathology on a special issue called Communication is a Human Right, celebrating the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Now, that was published in February 2018, and Taylor and Francis have been amazing and have enabled this whole special issue to be free online forever. And what has happened is, uh, when I counted up all the downloads last October, we'd had 168 thousand downloads. Wow. But this morning when I looked, um, the most popular issue, um, most popular paper called Protecting the Human Right to Freedom of Expression in International Law, written by a lawyer that I contacted for the special issue, that one alone has been downloaded over 101,000 times as of today. So if we calculated it, it's well over 200,000 times that this special issue has been downloaded, which is extraordinary. Now, as I was tying up the special issue, we had expressions of interest. The first expression of interest that came through was from Rwanda. And I went, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. Um, as they came in and we selected which uh, papers should come, my colleague who works in international law in Melbourne um, and I had been trying to get in touch and eventually I got in touch with her and she said, now, you have permission from the Australian Human Rights Commission to do this, don't you? And I went, uh, no. And she said, look, they're my friends. I'll make an appointment with you in Sydney. So in the end, Kiri Ballard, who was the editor of IJSLP at the time, and Gal Mulcair and I met with Ed Santow and um, Alistair McEwen, uh, the Human Rights Commissioner and the Disability Discrimination Commissioner, who were extremely supportive and positive. And in fact, they volunteered to write the um, forward to this special issue, but they also said we should work towards presenting this at the United Nations and that they would help us. Now, fast forward, um, in the end, we um, went as a part of the Australian delegation to the UN. There are about 20 people in the Australian delegation in 2019, including carers and, and so forth as, as part of the delegation as well. Um, we worked with members of the International Communication Project, so with people especially from RCSLT, but across the world also um, the ASHA. So RCSLT is the Royal College in the UK and ASHA is the American Speech Language Hearing Association. Um, 
and so we all went together. We had two amazing guests who came with us, Meredith Allen and Miles Former, who um, speak using AAC devices. And we presented what's called a side event, which was an hour and a half um, that was recorded on UN TV and still is available on UN TV. Um, and um, the, the main events where the governments, each government speaks, um, happens in the main convention rooms at the United Nations in New York. But um, as everybody says, the most interesting events are the, what's called the side events, which occur in all the side rooms where different uh, civil society members, as we are called, and also governments present um, work to elaborate and inform the governments of the world about the special issues. So we went to the convention on um, the rights of persons with disabilities um, event that occurred over the whole week in June 2019. Now, I know that you spoke about four key topics in your UN speech. They were communication rights, invisibility, impact and solutions. What do each of these areas mean? I would love, if with your permission, to read a part of my speech. I've truncated it a bit, but I um, that's they're the themes that I presented to the UN, and we had images that go along with that. Um, so you'll just have to imagine some of the images. But I used my speech to present um, about the special issue, to present about Speech Pathology Australia, but also to present the amazing work that is going across the entire world that we can learn from in countries such as Rwanda, in Fiji, in Ireland and other places um, to help us think about our advocacy role as speech pathologists. I would be so thrilled. Yes, please share it. I'm so excited to hear. Okay, well, this is, you can see this on UNTV, but this is the short, short, slightly shorter version. It goes for about uh, 12 minutes normally, so it's a little bit shorter than this. So this is what I said. Distinguished delegates of states, parties and civil society, it's an honour to be speaking up for communication rights at the United Nations in New York. Today, I will speak about four topics, communication rights, invisibility, impact and solutions. Firstly, communication rights. As you know, last year, the United Nations celebrated the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. This declaration is the foundation for all other UN declarations and conventions, including the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities that's the focus of the Conference of States Parties this week in 2019. Last year, I was privileged to be the editor of the special issue of the International Journal of Speech-Language Pathology to celebrate communication rights, particularly Article 19 of the UDHR. The special issue received international support. Every one of the 31 articles written by six people from 16 countries relate to the theme of um, uh, the week at the UN of awareness raising. There are free copies available today and we handed them out at the UN. So IJSLP was being handed out as well as online and every single article is freely available to anybody who wants to click on it. 
The 16 countries represented in the special issue are Australia, Belgium, Canada, Fiji, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Portugal, Rwanda, Saudi Arabia, Shetland, South Africa, Sweden, Syria, the UK and the USA. So you can see that we have um, wide representation from across the world. Article 19 of UDHR states, everyone... Everyone has the right to freedom of opinion and expression. This right includes freedom to hold opinions without interference and to seek, receive and impart information and ideas through any media and regardless of frontiers. Article 19 is often interpreted in the context of freedom of speech, freedom of the press and freedom to protest. As Emily Howey from the Human Rights Law Centre wrote in the special issue, freedom to express opinions and ideas is a foundation stone of democratic society. The Australian Human Rights Commission wrote in the foreword of the special issue, the right to freedom of expression and opinion is like air, food or water. We take it for granted until it is denied to us. Communication is a human right for everyone, including those with communication disability. So now let's take a moment to define communication and consider my second point about invisibility. The primary modes of communication are speaking, listening, reading and writing in the dominant language of the community. So if you bought a cup of coffee this morning, it's likely that you engaged in speaking to the barista, the waitstaff listening to you, you reading the menu, and the waitstaff writing your order in English, which is the dominant language of the US and of Australia. If we expand our definition of languages and add sign language, braille, and augmentative and alternative communication articulated in Article 2 of the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability, we add in signing, looking, feeling, and typing. In this International Year of Indigenous Languages, we need to think about communication in any language, regardless of frontiers. Therefore, there are many more dimensions to communication. For example, speech includes speech sounds, intelligibility, voice and fluency, and language includes vocabulary, grammar, sentences and discourse. If you have difficulty in these areas, you may have a communication disability. Then I showed a photograph of people and asked, can you work out which of these people in the photograph have a communication disability? No, because communication disability usually is invisible. A few people with communication disability have a known cause, for example, people who have hearing loss, developmental disability, cerebral palsy, cleft palate or autism. However, not all people who have these conditions will have a communication disability. Even today, the 12th of June 2019, some people in the world will develop a communication disability 
because of a stroke, a brain injury due to a car accident, being diagnosed with a brain tumour, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, cancer of the larynx or something else that either immediately results in having a communication disability or may mean that they will in the future. Hopefully, this will not be someone you love. I have seen firsthand the tragedy of the impact of losing the ability to communicate since my mother had early onset Alzheimer's disease commencing at the age of 50 and my father had Parkinson's disease. We worked hard to support their participation in family and community life. The UN has supported people with communication disability, however, not all people with communication disability are included in prevalence estimates and initiatives of the UN and other places to uphold communication rights. For example, the World Report on Disability acknowledged that people with communication difficulties may not be included in estimates of disability despite encountering difficulties in daily life. Most children have communication disability as a primary disability. They can be invisible and forgotten in many government policies. However, the impact of their communication disability is profound. Children with communication disabilities as a primary disability may have a speech sound disorder, childhood apraxia of speech, developmental language disorder, stutter or a voice disorder. In a longitudinal study of 14,500 school children in Australia, we found that 13% of children had communication disability. This was three times more than those with hearing loss, intellectual and medical disabilities combined. Last month, the American Speech-Language Hearing Association featured research indicating that one quarter of 1,000 parents of children aged 0 to 8 years had concerns about their child's ability to communicate. Their findings mirror research we have published about 5,000 children from the Longitudinal Study of Australian Children. We also found that 25% of parents, or one quarter, were concerned about their child's speech and language. When we followed these children longitudinally, we found that these children with speech and language concern were significantly more likely to have ongoing difficulties with reading, writing, spelling, grammar and numeracy in grades 3, 5 and 7 compared with typically developing children. They were more likely to be bullied at school and less likely to have friends. Indeed, other researchers have found that people in jails and the justice system have a high prevalence of communication and literacy disabilities. The impact of communication disability on adults, such as people who have had a stroke, was eloquently described by Deborah Hirsch in the special issue. She stated... Aphasia can rob people of their freedom of expression at a fundamental level, threatening their identity and disrupting their ability to demonstrate competence, share experience and participate in life as before. So in our fourth point, communication solutions, let's turn our attention by highlighting some of the work that's profiled in the special issue of innovative international solutions. 
As you know, at this Convention of States party in New York this week, there are sub-themes. The first sub-theme is technology, digitisation and ICTs for the empowerment and inclusion of persons with disabilities. Professor Hemsley and colleagues in our special issue described how they supported people who used AAC devices to participate in conversations across the world using Twitter. And this morning, Meredith Allen and Miles Former testified about the important and positive difference AAC devices make to their lives. Professors Worrell and Rose and team have used technology to create wearable devices to support communication for people with aphasia. The team have created Comfit, similar to a pedometer to track talking, as well as other devices. Sub-theme two for this week was about social inclusion and the right to the highest attainable standard of health. The international communication, as Gail Mulcair our CEO for Speech Pathology Australia described this morning, has affiliated partners from over 50 countries and supports the life-changing work of communication specialists, including speech-language pathologists, audiologists and advocates. Members of these associations have many rigorous evidence-based solutions for reducing impairment and increasing participation for people with communication disability. The special issue includes communication rights-driven solutions in South Africa, Saudi Arabia, Outback Australia and Fiji. For example, Dr Hoff in Fiji describes her comprehensive research to develop the respectful and inclusive four-stage communication capacity research model. Dr Marshall and Helen Barrett described their work with the United Nations in Rwanda to uphold the human rights of refugee survivors of sexual and gender-based violence of people with communication disability. The third sub-theme is communication of persons with disability in society through participation in cultural life, recreation, leisure and sports. Remember our earlier consideration of the communicative effort to order a cup of coffee. Well, Dr. Carol and team from Ireland have demonstrated and developed a program for working with staff in coffee shops and restaurants to enable people with complex communication needs to order their own food and drinks. One of the mothers of this young gentleman involved in the program wrote, his mother was so shocked that he actually had the ability to finally order coffee for himself. For children with communication disability, participation in leisure often occurs in the playground. Professor McCormack and colleagues analysed submissions to an Australian government Senate inquiry. One submission stated, when I was at school, I can remember spending every lunchtime sitting by myself because no one would ever try to talk to me. This comment resonates with work our research team undertook to listen to 143 four to five-year-old children with speech sound disorders. We asked them to draw themselves talking to someone and one boy drew himself alone, only selecting to choose the colour black. When we asked him again if he'd draw himself talking to someone, he said, no, they won't let me play. Communication disability is often invisible. However, solutions abound. There is much that can be done to reduce the impact and to enable people to fully participate in society. 
I invite you today at the United Nations to lessen the invisibility of people with communication disability. I invite you to acknowledge, adjust your communication and to take time to use your listening ears as drawn by the children in the special issue as we seek solutions to support inclusion and participation for all people with communication disability. Thank you. So that was my presentation to the UN. Wow. I just need to sit with that for a moment. That was just mind-blowing, wonderful, and really moving. And it gives me goosebumps just to remember doing it. (laughs) Oh, I feel quite emotional hearing some of those examples, actually. That's just just stunning. Oh, amazing, amazing effort. And hopefully, um, you know, readers, even who have had a copy of the special issue lying around, Bring it out again, have a look, or click on the um, Communication Rights Special Issue. If you click on Speech Pathology Australia, you can just Google Speak Up for Communication Rights. Uh, That was the idea that we had because that year the UN was using Stand Up for Human Rights, so we chose Speak Up for Communication Rights as our um, term. And um, if you Google that, you can click on the special issue and read any of those articles. They're all very short. They're all written for an international audience. They're all absolutely inspiring. And I encourage people to click on things that they probably would never think of clicking on just to be inspired about amazing ways that you can contribute to your own community to support people with communication rights, especially um, during Speech Pathology Week. There's so much you can do just when you go to order your cup of coffee in the morning and encourage them perhaps to have a communication-friendly menu available to people. There's so much that we can do so easily. Absolutely. And if I can draw you just a little bit lower locally now. Do you think there's things even in our assessment processes, our intervention, that can really make us consider communication rights in a bit more of a thoughtful way? Absolutely. Um, Speech pathologists are very good at thinking of the ICF, the International Classification of Functioning, Disability and Health. We are very, very good at body functions and body structures, thinking about the mouth and the ears and, and, you know, speech and language. We are okay about thinking about activities and participation, but we're not always great in an assessment and intervention about thinking about the environmental factors and personal factors involved in people's lives. Um, One of the cool things that we try to do when we work with young children is think about children's siblings and their environment, like the playground. When we interview children and talk about school, they don't really care as much about in the classroom. The playground is the place that's really tricky. And very often it's children's siblings who go to school with them that are drawn in the playground and even in the classroom to be their interpreters. Um, And so that's just one aspect that can be asked about in every single assessment session. We've um, published a number of papers on siblings. If you want to Google um, Jackie Barr's name, B-A-R-R and siblings. She's published some beautiful papers 
um, about that. And um, just that is one tiny thing that paediatric speech pathologists can do. The um, team um, now with uh, Miranda Rose at the head, but previously uh, Linda Worrell, have done such creative work in their communication camps and things for people with aphasia, really advocating for day-to-day life and looking at ways that we can change the environment to enable people to realise their communication rights. Because if you remember, communication... um, Everybody has the right to hold opinions without interference, to seek, receive and impart information and ideas through any media and regardless of frontiers. And so one of the lovely papers in this special issue is about a young man called Declan and he wrote about his um, experiences as a person with Down syndrome going to speech therapy and how he really wanted to enter politics. And then he became um, a keynote speaker at the... Um, IALP conference in Ireland and said that he felt like Barack Obama um, and that he really realised one of his communication goals of how he could influence um, Parliament in um, Ireland and then to speak to speech pathologists about that. Um, So Declan Murphy um, has written the third paper, Citizenship, Politics and the Role of the Speech-Language Pathologist. And then in that After he had written his experience, his speech pathologist wrote about how they targeted his speech therapy sessions around his desire to be involved in politics. So somewhat untraditional, um, you know, of what we read in in our textbooks, but um, quite remarkable in terms of enabling people to realise their communication rights. So be creative. (laughs) Be creative and look beyond those standard scores. Now, part of Uh, the role of Speech Pathology Australia Week, obviously, is to promote that theme within the community. And I know there'll be speech pathologists out there that are doing some amazing um, activities this week to do that. But do you have any tips on how we can actually support people in the community to think about communication as a human right? Um, Look, I really love using the places in the community that we go to. So in the community, if you're at at playgroup, at church, at the coffee shop, at the library. Um, There are many places that you just attend and sometimes take off your speech pathology hat. Be, think about communication. Think about how people receive and impart communication in all these different places. And just for Speech Pathology Week, you might even like to get up and have a little moment and say, Think about how hard it is if you can't communicate. Sometimes people try that by just putting sticky tape across their mouth for five minutes. Um, You know, there are all sorts of fun ways um, that we can think about communication. With the lockdowns from COVID, if we're still wearing masks and so forth during Speech Pathology Week, we are recording this a bit early, um, you know, think about the impact of masks and how you can support people to be clearer and make communication more accessible, particularly for people with hearing loss or elderly people, um, you know, who may struggle to hear people speaking using masks and giving people alternatives. There are lots of creative ways you can use your 
excellent knowledge about communication out there in the community without having a client in front of you. So that's a little challenge. (laughs) Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful insights, Sharon. And thank you so much also for advocating for the rights of the people we support on the global stage. You are a true gem of the speech pathology profession in Australia, and we are so incredibly lucky to have you. Oh, and I'm so incredibly lucky that every time I have a crazy idea, Speech Pathology Australia says yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's because they're always great and they always come off. (laughs) Speech Pathology Australia is such a great association um, for their innovation and I think our size is small enough to be really agile and and come up, there are so many great initiatives that Speech Pathology Australia is doing at the moment in so many ways. And I love the agility of our profession to just listen to people who have ideas. And um, I hope that we can capture some of these ways for this week that people are actually speaking up for communication rights. So I look forward to seeing the ways that you are doing that, um, that you share with Speech Pathology Australia this week. Absolutely. And hoping everyone listening has a great time doing all these amazing activities during Speech Pathology Week. And also hoping everyone just gets a chance to pause and reflect with pride about the important work that we actually do. Call me biased, but we really do have the best profession going around. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to tune in again next Wednesday. Thank you so much, Sharon. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.